I want to thank my sponsor, Viva. Viva, thank you so much for making this show possible. Viva is here to change the game. They have electronic regulatory documents for sites for free with no commitment, no contract. I just signed up my site, Yuma Clinical Trials. No contract needed, nothing signed. They they just approve your email address and that's it. You're up and running with an electronic regulatory system, which is a great way if you haven't gotten into electronic anything yet. You need to consider it. It's it's free. Over 450 sponsors are using Viva for their back-end stuff. Electronic signatures here, electronic uh, delegation of authorities log, all for free. Viva is going to keep giving sites free stuff because they're very site-centric. They, they know that if they help empower the sites, even more sponsors are going to use their paid products on their end. They are the sponsors after all, so they pay for things. And they understand that making sites take control of their electronic systems is a huge first step. It's a huge commitment for sites, even for something that's free. And they're here to make it easy, and they're playing the long game. And anyways, go check it out underneath the video or the show notes below. Viva Site Vault. Thank you, Viva. Hey, Guru Nation. Welcome back. We have Deepti Patkian. She's been on before. Um, once or twice. I can't remember, Deepti. At least once. Well, yeah, twice. Twice. So now it's the third time. I come from uh, working at the site for many years and then moved into the startup role, startup specialist. Uh -huh. I was in the startup um, on that role and then now I'm, I'm in CTM. So. That seems to be a role, startup specialist. Mm -hmm. And probably increasingly so now that there's more studies. I mean, there's more studies than I've ever seen. And I keep saying mm -hmm. that every year. And every year since 2019, it's true. Um, and I don't think that's going to slow down, like with the AI figuring out which molecules, which small molecules can bind to receptors um, with more affinities. Like, I actually think we're going to have more studies, although I think they'll fail more. <clears throat> but it's like study startup is going to be a booming subset of this industry. Why do you think more people don't? look to study startup because i think from the outside it's uh it's just not clear or they just don't know that there is such a specialized role that handles just startup on the sponsor or cro side um on on the side side a crc typically would do everything well some sites do have the regulatory person handling parts of the startup but a CRC is very much involved. Um, that's how I, you know, I used to think. I, I had no idea there was such a role. Um, they specialize particularly working only on startup activities with each of the sites. And that's where you were like a, is that where you were like a functional, what's the FSP? What was it called? What did that, that acronym stand for at this company? Um, FSP is the a functional service provider. Um, so I, I was, uh, so I moved from Big Pharma to the CRO world uh, in the um, site activation world um, in, a, in that model where you're dedicated to one particular. Now I'm curious, was um, it the same pharma okay. you left that you were mm -hmm. FSP for or was it a different one? Different one. 
different one. And to become a FSP, like to work under a FSP model, the CRO chose that for you, right? You didn't come to them and say, hey, I right. want FSP model. No. no, that was the need of the time. And that's how, um, yeah, I entered. I actually got this question the other day, so I'm glad that we're bringing that up because in the first two interviews, we didn't really mention it too much. But the other day, somebody actually asked me on a live stream, hey, can you discuss more about FSP and how, you know, the differences, pros and cons between that and regular employment? Who better than Deepthi? Like, this is perfect. (laughs) I was in that role for a brief uh, period of time. I had to step away from uh for personal reasons from that role i had a break um and then um i now in the last one year less than a year i've been in the ctm role yes we gotta get into ctm but as far as fsp like somebody that's done both even though it was a little bit for you in the Mm -hmm. land of the blind he with one eye is king so can you tell us what you see as fsp what you saw during your time so as the FSP model, essentially you are like, quote unquote, the an employee of the particular sponsor you're dedicated to. You many times, like most cases, have their provided laptop. You do their specific trainings. Uh, you have a, a you know a, a direct point of contact with the sponsor that you work with, in addition to your um, CRO. And do you like notice manager, if you will. Do you notice any differences at all between FSP model and actually working like for a drug company directly, or was it the same? Yes, it's certainly different. It's different to be in a service provider um, mm. environment for sure, um, and uh, you know, it's just it's a different mindset at the end of the day our patients are at the forefront no matter what but there's you know relationships to maintain um additional tasks to perform it's certainly different to be in a service provider environment which one do you think like if somebody's looking into this right now should they not do fsp if that's what they're offered or you think it's still worth doing or which one do you prefer um i've I've gained in both experiences, so it's hard for me to say um it, it can be a blanket statement like no f s d is not for you because every person's factors are going to be different in what kind of uh, uh what kind of a background you have and now you're you're trying to enter the field maybe you know so it's 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 hard to make a blanket statement like that. I personally have gained a lot in both experiences. So um, to me, they're both comparable. Um, I have definitely, it has definitely contributed to my professional growth, um, being in both environments. Like I said, I was in the FSP model very, very briefly. So basically, guys and gals, it doesn't matter. Just take it. Mm -hmm. People, I think people overanalyze too much what their jobs are. Yeah, maybe. Don't you notice this, like, and maybe you were like this too, but because it's a big decision when you're coming from, let's say you, right? You came from the site, you went to the CRO space, right? And then through that FSP or site pharma 
In your case, mm-hmm. it was site sponsor, which is unusual. Site sponsor and then CRO with a FSP for a sponsor and now CTM with a... Another CRO. Another CRO. So I think maybe, let me not speak for you. When you made that first jump from site to sponsor or site to CRO, it's like a big leap. The other ones, uh, they appear to be smaller leaps because they're the same Mm -hmm. kind of company still. But the site is like a different planet because we're dealing with patients, right? We have the interaction with the patient face to face. So I think a lot of people overanalyze too much like in that first jump. Oh, should it be FSP? Should it be 1099? What if it's only a six-month contract? What if it's only a 12-month? What if it's a W-2? I get all these questions all the time. I'm like, if you want to be in this world, you take the jobs that you get. And mm-hmm. once you're in, you can get anything else if yeah. you're good. Yeah, 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 certainly. It was a big leap. Um, uh, we discussed uh, in, our, in our first um, conversation about that jump. Um, you know, having been in academia and working with patients for many years, you have to somehow stand out and um, prove to them that you, they've got to give you a chance. And I've gotten very <laughs> lucky. I'm very blessed that I, I got that opportunity. Uh, and then once once you're on, on this side, it's just this whole new world that I didn't know existed. It looks very different from, from the other side. Be honest, Deepti. Aren't you mm-hmm. glad you got out of academia? Um, yes and no. Like ah, I said, no. every every job I've had, um, it has tremendously contributed to my world. I've met some amazing people. Uh, I've worked with. I've, I've I've found mentors for life. I'm not just being. You know, diplomatic here but really um i do miss it on on some days i miss that patient interaction Mm. um for sure for sure but you know i've always when i started way back when i've always wanted to be on this side um of of the field so here i am sponsor zero we're gonna get into ctm because that's your newest role how long have Mm -hmm. you been in this role now it's recent right about a year about a year so you have enough of a perspective yeah i know Mm -hmm. i'm with you on the as somebody who's done both as well and now i'm back at the site level when i was monitoring i had like a three to five year stint where i was monitoring or pm half of that time was for my own cro but it was so strange to just see the patient numbers and not know for Mm -hmm. the first time not know who that is you know every patient has a story like when you work at the site you get to know these patients especially when you're in charge of retaining them and you get to know just about everything about them like their latest vacations where they went Um, I mean it's so such a drastic change to go from that to this is patient number zero 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 eight and then you're just supposed to remember them like that so I think that's mm-hmm. definitely something that's missing. I don't think it would ever be appropriate for CROs and sponsors to actually get to know the patients on that level. But yeah. it's just something that this industry is, you know, and it is something that a lot of people who've gone on 
like you, Deep D2, BCRAs, and CTMs do miss. A lot of the times they come back to it to finish their careers. Yeah. So, CTM, mm -hmm. why did you make that jump? Was it offered to you or did you always want this? No, I had I had not thought of this to be honest, this role. Like I said, I had to step away from the from the startup in the CRO FSP model role for, for personal reasons and had to take a break. Um, but uh, the way things kind of panned out, this this role came forward um, and I, I actually spoke to someone on LinkedIn in this role. Um, got some background information and I thought I will try. And so, so normally when somebody goes to CTM, they usually go from like a monitor, right? Like CRA yeah, yeah. or a PM, mm -hmm. one of those two. So you did study startup special. Well, you were a coordinator. Then you were study startup mm -hmm. Then you were central monitoring associate. Um, yeah. And then I see you took like, um, well, you took a little bit of break in between those two. Mm -hmm. And now you're CTM. Like, how do you do that? Because most of the time they want like monitoring experience, no? They do. They do. It was actually kind of interesting. I think it also like, any job application and you know the hiring decisions there's just so many different factors right um and, and at the time there was a need for ctms and they were willing to be open to people that didn't have the traditional traveling cra experience i wow. have many many years of the site experience i was at a sponsor even within the startup specialist role at the sponsor, I had gotten more involved with other aspects outside of startup. I was fortunate to have that opportunity. Uh, I was doing a little bit of extra, I feel like, throughout. So I was able to, to explain that in terms of transferable skills to, to them in the interview. Uh, and again, the same thing. Please give me a chance. I have the passion, I have the drive, and I'm a quick learner. Just give me a chance. Transferable skills is important. We need to talk about it. Um, so when you applied for this job, did you apply for it? Or did you just put your resume out there? Or just because you're so active on LinkedIn, you're actually very active on LinkedIn. Deep is a model. Believe it or not, guys, Deep D is a <laughs> model for how people should be using LinkedIn. Um okay. The did they company. approach you or did you seek this role? I I sought it. I see. And it's a good company. It's one that it's they're big. Um they've they're hiring like crazy, just like all the CROs. So the interview went or the interviews mm -hmm. I'm guessing well, even yeah. before the interviews, you saw this job posted, right? Or how did you see it? You saw it on a job board? Someone someone had posted about it on LinkedIn, actually. So I you reached see, out guys? to that person. <laughs> he People. was in that role at that time, and he posted about it. So I just reached out to him, and he was <laughs> very, very, very kind to talk me 
um, through the whole thing and just explain because I wanted to know what you know what it is. And he okay. reviewed my resume. So let's break that down because that's overlooked by so many. I'm glad mm-hmm. I brought. This is why I got to slow down these interviews sometimes. A CTM at the same CRO that you work for now posted on LinkedIn where you happen to be active. You're like a power user. A job that said, my company is hiring for CTMs. If you know anybody, please apply. This is what companies do, by the way, guys, in a hiring shortage. They tell their staff, hey, please share the word, spread the word. LinkedIn, we're more powerful together than we are by ourselves, blah, blah, blah. Deepthi saw this. You were connected with this person? Yes. Did you know him well? Um, Through LinkedIn. I haven't actually met him. I see. And uh, did you ever message him before or comment on one of his posts or you just knew him? You were aware of him? I was aware of him. Okay. So that's important, guys. So this is another reason why you need to be on LinkedIn. Okay, this is how, if you notice, Deepthi didn't see this on Indeed or ZipRecruiter or Glassdoor. She saw this on LinkedIn through a, through her newsfeed. Just a regular mm-hmm. person she's connected to. If you want a job, whatever role you want, it just makes logical sense to connect with those same people on LinkedIn mm-hmm. that already Absolutely. have those roles. Like it's just. It sounds so logical, yet so few people do it. So he posted yeah, it's, this. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and I had seen his name because of somebody in my network that had like liked or posted on his previous post. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, like, I I sent I sent him a um, LinkedIn invite, but that was way before any of this. Um, I wasn't I really looking because of the situation I was in. Yeah, um, you're preparing. You're preparing. At that point, when you're making connections, you're not looking for anything. You're just, hey, I want to expand my network. That's it. I want to follow you and see what you post. And maybe now, well, every now and then, you're going to post a nugget, a golden nugget that's going to give me some insight into your role. Or you're going to post the opportunity, which in this case, he did. You saw it. What did you do? You instantly messaged him or you sat, You thought about it for like a few weeks? I thought about it because, like I said, I had to step away from, from the previous role for personal reasons. I had to like, I had to think um, with, with, with what I've got, I had got going on. But um, I reached out. I, I figured, you know, it doesn't hurt. I just asked because he wanted the way he posted it. If you want to know more about the CTM role, reach out to me. Uh, so you know what let me just find out what it is it doesn't have to go anywhere immediately let me let me just ask because to me the ctm was was new mm-hmm. you've worked um, with ctms in the past though through all your positions yeah i've been in positions where i have reported into several mm-hmm. so in the back of your mind it was something you would consider and when you saw it you said hey you know what doesn't hurt to have an interview or just learn more. Let me message him. So you message him directly on LinkedIn or you followed like mm-hmm. what he said in the post? He said to message him. In oh, the okay. Post. okay. So then so when I you did him. like just give an example, like a generic, what did you tell him? Hey, I saw your post. I'm interested. That's it. 
Yeah, just straightforward. Um, I saw your post and, uh, you, you know, I would like to know more about the role. And uh, he was kind enough to give me time um, in his busy schedule and we talked wow. about the role. Um, I sent him my resume. And then he, he probably... Looked at it. He provided uh, great, great pointers to update it. And uh, yeah, it was. It was. A, it ended up being a referral because he he felt it was. See. Um, you know, my resume was worthy enough. So with a few tweaks, I'm guessing transferable skills were added. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What kind of transferable skill? What kind of skills did you already possess in your career so far that CTMs also? have to have like because that i'm sure that's what you had to tweak your resume with yeah so a ctm is a clinical team manager so uh being able to speak to the fact that you've managed team members um along with you know just being responsible for the overall project but i've had done that in in a site role um at at, at the site level then at the next uh, positions, I know I was I had the sponsor experience as well as a little bit of you know CRO experience, so that um, helped as well. Um, there is a financial component to this role, which which I don't have that much experience in, but I was very honest about it, and um, you know not uh, there's no way to make up that kind of stuff you either know it or you don't and that kind of exposure to the financial world I had not had um but uh, but yeah attention to detail is like so common to all roles across in our field but the they particularly specifically the team management aspect was important um i had also worked on as a project manager worked on a large clinical a large clinical trial where i worked directly with sites but at the site level uh, so i was able to take that strong experience i had done a little bit of monitoring as part of that role at the site i went to different sites so i was able to use that because i officially i am not not been in a cra title role but i was able, i have that experience i've actually been to sites and monitored um mm. you know done everything from startup to close out because that's the ctm role it's not just i was only in the startup work right so now i was going to be you know in the whole start to end process which is uh which is quite quite a big responsibility and yeah. um end to end so being able to speak to that that you've done i've done it in bits and pieces um it's just a matter of leaning into those specific experiences when the time is right and that, and that I'm not afraid to ask questions. So now that you are, you've been a CTM now at the time of this recording for about a year, um, maybe a little over a year no? or right around a year. It was to April, 2021. Ah, so a year and a half. Okay. So you've been a CTM for a good year and a half now. Um, no, no. In the CTM role, just about a year. A year, a year, okay. Mm -hmm. CTM for a year. You have, I'm guessing, enough of a idea of 
you know, the role more or less. Mm-hmm. When, because I'm, I'm imagining when you're in charge of like a large project, you don't, you're not necessarily involved in all of the details like you are, let's say when you're a CRA or when you're a study mm-hmm. startup specialist, right? You're, you get involved and I've never been a CTM, so I'm asking you get involved mainly when there's problems to be addressed. <laughs> yes, but another key part is to catch before something becomes a problem. So being able to keep my eyes and the team's eyes on on that, you know, any pitfalls or issues mm. that may become big problems later, we have to, you know, mitigate those in at the right time. So What's a it is definitely a lot more zoomed out. Uh, What's a surprising a problem out, so. that you see beforehand? Like now that you've been doing it for a year, what's a problem that you had to fix before it became a huge problem that you didn't expect? Uh, if I were to pick, so in this role, I'm also still involved with startup. Um, and it's also in conduct. So it's juggling of both both these phases, which is challenging. Um, and so being a, because I come from the startup world, uh, uh, I'm able to, you know, the, the, every trial is so complicated in startup, right? It just depends. There's so many different moving parts. And so uh, communication has always been like this important part of every, everything we do and there's been um differences in understanding from what the site is saying versus what we're understanding and being able to bridge that gap to do things in parallel so timelines are not further stretched out or if there is something that is going to be like there's one thing dependent on the other right so if 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 something at the start is a problem right now Three months down the line, this that means we're not going to meet that deadline. And so, what are our plan B, plan C to be able to to still meet that activation deadline? Um, that's just one of many examples. Sounds stressful. As somebody who's in charge, <laughs> my third coordinator starts the day for my site, my startup, and we're in the middle of startup, uh, study startup now on two studies. One should be done soon. We already had our SIV and the other one, we're just getting started on startup. So I've noticed that the problem with complex studies, meaning studies where, and most of them are complex now, studies where there's a lot of vendors involved, like you have an imaging Mm -hmm. vendor, you have an ophthalmology vendor, you have ECG, cardio, central lab, recruiter, IRT, all throw any letters you want together. That's another system. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all these like uh, silos. And then yeah. each one has like a 50 page manual. And you're like, okay, here's your manual for uh, this vendor. Here's your 100-page manual for this vendor. Here's your 70-page manual for this vendor. 
you know what the problem is nobody reads this whole thing like so now you're right because communication is the most important thing because even the CRA don't know when we have SIV we take the CRA to a vendor like an imaging vendor let's say the vendor has questions about hey what do we need to do I'm going to tell you the truth here Deepthi because the truth is what this podcast is all about. Vendor <laughs> vendor tells me, hey, Dan, ask your monitor, how do we upload these images? Like, is this file okay or is this file okay? What do we do? I ask CRA. CRA says, hey, you know what? I don't know. It's in the manual. Okay. So now I tell the vendor, hey, they don't know, but it's all detailed in the manual. Trust me. You know what vendor tells me? Dan, I understand, but... We don't have time to read this manual. We have patience. We're doing this as a favor to your PI because we like your PI. We needed someone to tell us what to do. So now it's either me as a coordinator that have to read Mm -hmm. this manual where it's very technical manual, where if you don't understand ophthalmology, it makes no sense. Or you find the key person to communicate with at that vendor and that's exactly what it was and if it wasn't for this person at the vendor from the sponsor side being proactive and emailing us hey i am your coordinator for this procedures let us know if any questions i just emailed her hey yes we do have questions no one knows the answer can you tell us she said oh yeah in very simple email she answered like she ended our week and a half long um, holdup over this thing, but only because she reached out first because I had no idea even who she was or even that she existed. So I think you're absolutely right. And as a CTM, I would encourage you guys to tell all your stakeholders, email the site because the sites oftentimes don't even know these people exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and CRAs don't always know everything, but uh, at least that's how I um, talk to my team, you know, and we do our best to to find the right person to to connect to the site or look at it, look at the manual ourselves and send a snapshot or yeah. something. Template, like read the manual is a very template answer. And to me, as a <laughs> as a CTM, I try not to, you know, encourage that. So in this industry, there's reality, and there's by the book. Mm-hmm. By the book, everybody should know all the manuals, be familiar with everything. On page sixty three of this lab manual, it says this. On page seventy four of the ophthalmology manual, we should do this. That in reality, that should be the coordinator and the CRA and the CTM or the PM. I don't know, somebody. Or in in theory, it should be them. In reality, who knows all this stuff? Not to put you on the spot, but who knows it all? No, it's tough. It's tough. Everybody is working together. Not one person knows the whole um, whole manual. <laughs> Do you and think we someone have to should though? To- do you think someone um, should or no? Some someone should be able to give a straight <laughs> answer to the site. Who the PI? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Someone on this side. Um, yeah, we we have to look into the manual ourselves many times. 
Because that's the answer we usually get as a site when we ask. We usually either ask the CRA, the in-house CRA, somebody, project manager, and somebody. They The usual answer is when it's complicated, they tell us to refer back to the whatever manual we're asking about. And it's like, okay, if we already know that and we're still emailing you, so that's not the answer we want. In reality, we do need like these 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 specialists who are experts at that particular aspect. So mm-hmm. in this case, it was this lady who was a coordinator from the CRO side on their vendor for ophthalmology exams. And then I have my vendor as a site who does our ophthalmology assessment. So again, if it wasn't for her emailing us, and I don't know if somebody told her to do it or she's just does it because it's part of her job like she takes it seriously but she introduced herself otherwise we wouldn't even have known this person existed and she had all the answers for what we needed mm-hmm. and but if if she never sent that email we would have gone another week two weeks until the CRA complained like what's happening and then we still wouldn't have had the answers so it's like that two weeks you know she saved if a clinical trial cost a million dollars a day I mean, what? She saved $14 million, maybe, <laughs> theoretically. Yeah. So she emailed you around the same time. Was that a coincidence, you think? Proactively. I don't know. Either she did or somebody told her, hey, we're in startup. In startup, you make contact with the site once a week. I don't know. But it was, it was, it worked out okay. You know, but I've been in studies where it doesn't work out and you don't know till later, yeah. like, oh. We actually had somebody who had the answers, but we didn't even know who they were. Yeah. So it's back to your point about communication. Um, mm-hmm. What are some other problem? Like, I'm guessing recruitment's a big one if sites don't recruit. Yeah, yeah. Certainly that is uh, one of the metrics we follow closely from activation to, you know, current date where we add what sort of screening activities have been done, not just to keep an eye or like put them on the spot or just question them in their, what are you doing uh, type of a question, but genuinely, what, what are the hurdles you're seeing? How can we help? Is there something in particular that we can work with the sponsor to, to get to you? If yeah, you ask my PI that question right now, they would both say, make the inclusion easier. Yeah. Not yeah. Realistic. That's not always possible. <laughs> that's always not possible. But when yeah. something like that comes up, it's always good. And, you know, it just depends on the sponsor you work with. But it's always good to, if they have further questions related to IE criteria or, or why a certain criteria is written a certain way, it's always good to connect the the science group with PI directly so they can get some background because you know it may seem unrealistic it it is it is unrealistic sometimes but there's a reason why it was written a certain way or why there is no leeway or why we just can't give you that waiver Uh, again going back to the communication piece instead of just saying no not possible explain a bit more again as much as possible within the given guardrails explain so it helps yeah. them understand and it builds like a partnership. I think that's actually going to be like, this is a something, a problem, an issue that the industry is going to have to figure out because 
these studies are getting more complex. I actually think they're going to get continue to get even more complex, not easier, uh, with bioinformatics, with artificial mm -hmm. intelligence. The systems now, it's just in the beginning phase, but I have one study where, without giving it away, patients have to wear a wearable during the screening period. So not only is there inclusion-exclusion criteria for the study, but based on the bioinformatics we get from the wearable, that's another inclusion-exclusion factor that has nothing to do with what's the patient's taking or their medical history or anything. It's how they present as far as their bioinformatics. So sponsor said, hey, expect 50% screen fail rate before the wearable data. After the wearable data, expect another 15% on top of it. So it's headed this direction, guys, not the other way. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we just have to get used to it. So I think what Deepthi said about communication is going to be even more important. Do you think CTM is like the orchestrator of all this? Like, is it your responsibility, Deepthi, if... Let's say you're managing 12 vendors for a study and each vendor has somebody that the site is uh, contacting. And let's mm -hmm. say you're in having an issue. Is it your responsibility if you're noticing one of the vendors is not reaching out to the sites or there's issues? Is it yeah. your responsibility as CTM to know that this is not happening and you need to get involved? Yes, certainly. I don't have all vendors for the study. Uh, it's a, it, it, it can be split depending on the team of CTMs we have, uh, but yes, certainly vendor management is a is a is a big part of this role. Yeah, wow. And then as far as the when it comes to sponsors, because CTM, I mean, you're in a sponsor communicating face, right? Like you have a sp mm -hmm. sponsor facing element of your role. Which you don't really get too much as a CRA or a study startup specialist, but CTM, you're dealing with sponsors. So what kind of things are sponsors asking that um, you are surprised? Maybe you didn't know about this before you were CTM. Um, again, depends on the kind of sponsor you're working with, but um, I've, I've worked with sponsors that want to be very involved that they want to catch things early on and not, or like be allergic of things early on and not it not become a big problem or where they can help support. Um, that's been a big uh, theme of, of the whole communication. They want to know. Um, and of course, from, from this side, when in, in any, um, any situation, I try to be a part of the solution, not the problem. So when presenting the problem, also talk about what the mitigation plans are, what has been done so far. Um, but they, they really want to know, at least the ones I've worked with, they really want to know early on. Now, not every sponsor is the same and not right. every sponsor is as experienced as the other sponsors. Mm -hmm. So with that comes sometimes unrealistic expectations from mm -hmm. sponsors do you ever i know you've only been doing it for a year sctm 
But have you ever had to push back against the sponsor and say, hey, you know, that's just not realistic, like in these situations? Not yet. Not yet. I've, okay. I've met uh, I've met team members that have had realistic expectations so far. So far. <laughs> but at the time of any discussions, you know, expectation management is, is another big piece of, of this role from the beginning. You don't just paint this larger than life picture. You don't only paint problems, but, you know, managing the right expectations, setting the right tone. But I've really not, not yet. I have to I have had to push back on any related to vendors at least. And what about getting involved with sites? Like mm -hmm. as a CTM, I'm guessing you're only involved getting involved with sites when there's you're trying to prevent a future problem. But like what are some examples of cases where you had to get involved with a site? Yeah, so this this role is zoomed out, and that's where I, you know, uh, it's it's a bit of a challenge for me because I've been very close to the site, coming from the site to being that direct contact to the site to now one step um, zoomed out. Um, I find it difficult at times personally to 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 do that. So I'm like trying not to be this, you know, micromanager uh, <laughs> to my CRAs but also trying to understand the involved um, with the process. So when sites um, are not following the protocol, there are source documentation issues and IMV happens and issues are discussed, um, that findings that came out of the IMV, the discussions that happen afterwards with the sites have been involved in that case, uh, or if something has been pending for, for a long time, um, you know, I step in and ask, and write directly to the PI and relevant parties. It helps to to see my email go through when the CRAs have not had any I see. Um, success, or if something has to be discussed with the, with the site that uh, you know the the news has to be broken in certain way and so the CTM has to do that um because and explain the reasoning or whatever. Wow. So hey site, sorry, but we're putting on a screening hold. Or stuff like that. Maybe yeah. maybe or maybe not. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All the issues. So basically it's just problem solving. I mean that's it is you know, I've never done CTM. It sounds like something I probably might enjoy because I don't like to micromanage, but I don't know because I haven't done it. Well, I've done it on the small scale, like my own CRO. Uh, essentially, mm -hmm. I'm the CTM, PM, lead CRA, everything. But yeah. like on a real study where you have, you know, all these moving parts and multiple sites. I'm not sure how to respond, but it definitely takes a certain kind of personality. But do you think you think that the this can be learned by somebody? Yes. Yes. You have to have the right attitude and the mindset. Everything is not going to be moving and flowing like you want it to, or you're not gonna probably walk into a, a 
situation where everything is all set up and you're just providing that oversight. It just depends, right? At what point you you join the project and how what has been done until date. Mm-hmm. So yes, you you're in definitely problem solving, but part of it is also and big part of it is making sure the team is set up appropriately to support our sites that they know what the workflow is. Um, you have your you know SOPs, the protocol, and other guardrails given, but what that actually unfolds in the CRA's day-to-day interaction with the site, um, it's very important to make sure everybody's on the same page because things can be relatively um, open to interpretation. Um, and just you know, maybe it's checklists or uh, regular discussions or ad hoc trainings. Um, to speak to the CRAs just to make sure because it's uh, communication again you know me telling them them telling sites and you know how it all unfolds in reality yeah this is the first time I had this thought but Mm. I actually think that site owners would make good CTMs because that what you're discussing and your responsibilities are very similar. They're basically parallel to my responsibilities from the site level. Yeah. Like those same yeah. vendors, let's say you and I both are on the study. You're the CTM. I'm a site owner in Yuma. Yeah. I work with the same vendors you are. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to solve the same problems, but just from our end, you're solving them for the whole study. I'm solving them for my whole site. But then mm-hmm. I like you may have multiple study. I also have multiple studies. So and then you have your CRAs that you talk to. I have my coordinators I talk to. That's a mm-hmm. lot of like transferable skills from site director or site owner to CTM. Essentially, it's the same job, more or less, just reversed. To a certain extent, yeah. They're, they're counterparts, I would say, definitely. Yeah, would, I never thought about great that. Great CTMs. Because my my business partner and I, Chris, we're always this, we have a lot of CRAs contacting us to want to start yeah. sites, and we've noticed in the seven years we've been doing this, helping people start sites, CRAs not necessarily the best site owners, and I think it's what you said because they're so like zoomed in to certain problems, they don't know how to zoom out. But I think as we're talking, I think a much better candidate for a site owner would be a clinical trial manager clinical team manager and we haven't had too many of those i can't remember being site owner so i think there's something there yeah certainly mm. definitely transferable skills um maybe in your future par- deep, deep. parallel roles maybe, maybe in your future site maybe. owner <laughs> who knows maybe i know uh, who to contact i know the right guy <laughs> to contact for that I just, yeah, I'm trying to always draw parallels because I think that the problems in this industry are the same. It's just the context of where you see them from. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So advice to anyone that's trying to be a CT. Well, advice for sites. How can a site make themselves look good to a CTM so that Deep D can say, hey, <laughs> Deepthi can talk to your your study startup specialist and say, hey, send Dan a feasibility questionnaire. 
<laughs> um, well, of course, you have to have the right population uh, for the project, but your data entry timelines, the response rate to the CRAs. Mm. I know sites are very busy. They've got a lot of studies going on. But we really, I mean, it's very, very difficult to work with non-responsive sites. And it's just follow-up, 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 and everybody gets tired. And we just spend so much time trying to get one thing done. And then issues pile up. Um, there's pending action items. And then there's an audit. We're not audit ready. Uh, it just snowballs. So... If and also in addition to that, just honesty. I have some very honest sites that my series work with, and we, we, I, I personally appreciate that because then we're not just you know sitting here thinking they expect something from us and we expect something from them, and then uh, nobody's meeting expectations. If you're honest, just however brutal it is, um, we want to know so we can then have a targeted approach to solving the problem. What's an example of honesty that you saw that you liked? Um, the protocol, uh, you know, there's maybe there needs to be a bit more flexibility. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, all my PIs um, will tell you that right now. They're honest. <laughs> yeah, but vendors, specifically mm. vendors. Um, I see. But you know, if there is a if there is a reason for yeah. issues, I got to deal that. with one vendor today, so we can get start screening on a new study. It's the last vendor I need to deal with, ophthalmology, and they have to upload. I actually have to go pick up the USB card from them. I told mm -hmm. them I will upload it for them in the portal we have to save them some work, but. Yeah, it's the last piece yeah. that we need to. Um, That's a very nice coordinator. We uh, we look for people like you at sites. Deep, do you know where I'm at? Bridge the gap. Deep, do <laughs> you, you know where gap. I'm at? You know where I'm at? You, Arizona. It's very sunny, sunniest <laughs> place on the earth. Um, yeah, but no, thank you, Deep, Deep, for the interview. I mean, you've been a really good sport answering all the questions. Um, a lot goes thank into you. being a CTM that. So what's the there is there any difference between because when I hear CTM I just think whether it's clinical trial manager or clinical team manager it's yeah. basically like the boss of the entire study from the sponsor or CRO level like what is there any difference Yeah so we are in no it's pretty similar uh, again different titles uh, maybe the job description has a few differences here and there, but essentially we are responsible for meeting the clinical deliverables for the duration of the study from start to end in our assigned regions. You are responsible. That's a big responsibility to you. Yes, very loaded. All right. How are, how's your New Year's? Good? Busy? It was good, yeah. We, we got to you know get away just disconnect that's one of the challenges i've had is just completely disconnecting um and i was able to completely disconnect meet family members after many many years uh, and spend some quality time with with my family as well that's an entire other podcast of how cras and ctms keep their sanity um, yes maybe we'll do that For one sure. later that's For another sure. hour deep deep breaths uh, every now and then during the day 
um, because we have to prioritize a lot and not everything is red category. Like not everything is, is an emergency. Um, and you have to really be able to work <laughs> through that every single day. Otherwise, it's not possible and not every email will get answered immediately. And that's okay. I think we have um, to put just, coordinators and site owners into that same group, you know, yeah. how to deal with pressure, stress. Mm -hmm. Well, that's another podcast. We'll do a part four with you. What about as we wrap up here, the the rest of like this year, do you expect it to be as busy as last year or are you seeing slowdowns already? No, no slowdowns. Very busy. I have, I have the work cut out already. Good. Oh. So all right, guys. But busy well, is good. It's a it's a good thing. It's good because it's you know it keeps us busy, keeps the opportunities there. It's it's bad because we have to learn how to deal with um, prioritizing. So mm -hmm. has pros and cons. I mean, the inverse of this would be hey, it's very slow. Then we have right. stress. Then we're stressed about not having enough income. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah or not utilizing your expertise you know being able to utilize what you've got to the fullest is very important um you should learn you should be in a position where you're learning every day you're challenged every day um and like everything was pretty new for me in this role when i started pretty much but i knew what i came with so just ask questions lean on lean on people um You just have to ask, even within your teams or, you know, the company or LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So everybody go connect. Deepti's LinkedIn is underneath the video. If you're listening on the podcast, it's in the show notes. Go connect with her. Stay tuned because we're going to have her come on to talk about prioritization, how to manage um, expectations, work-life balance. There'll be something that's important for just about anyone in this space, really. Um, so stay tuned for that. And Deep D, if you needed more sites, you know where I'm at. You can contact me for your yes. project. We're very <laughs> yes, thank honest. You. <laughs> good, right, good. Thank you, everybody. Good. Go thank you so much for the um, opportunity, Dan. It's always a pleasure. Of course, we'll do it again. Um, you're a great guest. Come on, everybody. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Go connect with Deep D, and catch y'all later. Bye bye. Thank you.